This is the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. If you're curious about innovations in ag tech, rural entrepreneurship, ag sustainability, or food security, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hey there, thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. Now, farmers forever have been experimenting on their respective farms and sharing ideas with each other to try to improve each other's operations and learn from each other's experiences. It's exciting to see many farmers embrace technology and integrate it as they would any other farming practice by experimenting with it, by making it their own, by sharing it with other farmers and getting ideas for themselves. In technology, they might call this open source, which means that whoever originally writes the software or creates the hardware gives a sort of creative license to add on to it and for others to make it their own and improve it for the benefit of all. That doesn't necessarily mean open source companies don't make money. Many of them do. But as far as product design, they open up their project for other makers to contribute to it. We have a cool example of that here today, a tech-savvy wine grape grower who built an open-source platform to collect and use data on his vineyard. We have on the show Rainier Vanderlee. In addition to growing grapes, Rainier is the founder and CEO of Vinduino, which provides wireless technology that helps farmers be more profitable by lowering water and labor costs, increasing yield, and improving fruit quality. Vinduino has won multiple awards, including the 2019 World Ag Expo Top 10 New Product Award, the 2018 American Farm Bureau Federation Top 10 Innovator, and the 2015 Hackaday Best Product $100,000 Award, which he's going to talk a little bit about that last one. This interview just for me, kept getting better and better. So I really encourage you to listen all the way to the end, if for no other reason than the fact that this episode sets up next week's episode, which is actually a customer of Vinduino that took his technology, added onto it, and created the very first ever open source winery in the world. Very, very cool. So make sure you're a subscriber for that. Enjoy this episode, though, with Rainier Vanderlee of Vinduino. Rainier begins by telling us how he got into all this. I started it a few years ago. I, I purchased a vineyard. I had a, a vineyard management company take care of it for me. And I was worried about how much they irrigated. And in that period, also the drought started, the, the multi year drought in California. So I wanted to understand how they, how they irrigated and how they determined how much water my vineyard needed. And basically, the answer was well, we've been doing this for 40 years. We know how it's done. And, and long story short, I. I, I I was in the uh, high-tech industry. I developed a system that measures how much uh, soil moisture is in the ground and another system that basically determines, based on weather data, how much water the plants need. And based on that data, I was able to save 50% of water in my vineyard. Wow. That's incredible. So tell me about the approach to, to getting to that point. You know, what what were the, what were the big contributing factors to understanding when you needed the water and when you didn't? Yes. So it, it's, it is very uh, self-explanatory self if you look at soil moisture, that if the soil uh, measures too dry, that you need to water more. And if it's too wet, then you can water less. What is, what is less intuitive is determining evapotranspiration. 
which is a method that was developed at UC Davis by Professor Larry Williams 20 years ago. So it's not that long ago that that method was developed, but it basically uses evapotranspiration data based on on weather data, weather station data. So in California, there's a network of weather stations called CIMIS. You can pull the data from that from that weather station, at least the one that is near nearby, and then with a with a formula that includes the crop coefficient of uh, grapevines or any other crop that you're using or growing, you can determine how much each plant is using on a day-by-day basis. And if you replace what the plant uses on a day-by-day basis, you basically keep a balance. It's basically whatever uh, the plant uses, you, you, you replace with irrigation. And and that plant uses something different based on environmental factors. The evapotranspiration could go up or down. And so its its water needs are going to vary with those external factors, not just the soil mo- moisture. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Because the soil moisture itself is something that, that changes very slowly. So usually we look over a period of a week to determine whether you know we irrigate enough or not. If the soil is, is slowly drying out, then of course you know that the plants are using more water than you put back in. So that's that's a way to determine whether your your evapotranspiration estimate is correct or not. Right, and and you got that dialed in on your own vineyard. How did you go about sort of productizing this so that you could sell it to other people who might want that same information? Yeah, it started with a small group of growers here in the Temecula area. We call ourselves the Small uh, Small Wine Growers Association. So we're like a loose group of people that meet once every month. And uh, we use uh, the facilities of one of the local wineries uh, to uh, to meet, and uh, we have educational uh, events there where you know you, people explain how to prune, how to fertilize, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So basically, every year we have the same kind of uh, repetitive educational process for new members. We only we, we not only meet, but we also exchange experiences, and we have some educational guests that explain uh, you know, how to prune, how to maintain your vineyard, but also how to check for uh, pests and, and, and mildew. Uh, we started with a group of about 10 people, and at the moment we have more than 250 members. Wow, and, and were they, did they start asking you for kind of like, how can you help me reduce, you know, uh, conserve more water? It, it's, part, it's part of, you know, the, the educational sessions that we give. So I'm I'm just one of the people that help organize these these meetings. Most most of it is driven by the, by the winery that is hosting it, and they also have the professional uh, professionals come in explain how to do pruning. So most of the small growers are amateurs, like people who have like a one or two or five acre uh, vineyards. So they're not doing this on a day by day basis, and uh, learning from the professionals really helps. You know, increase the overall quality of the grapes produced here in, in in the Temecula Valley, and irrigation is part of it. So once in a while, I I do a presentation on uh, how do you determine how much you need to irrigate, and of course, uh, having my my equipment available at affordable pricing for small growers really helps. Yeah, definitely. And, and tell us how how will they interact with that equipment? Is it something they set up and then it just tells them when to irrigate and when when not to and how much or how, how does that part work? Yes, it basically calculates on a day-by-day basis how much water your plants are using. And then using the properties of the vineyard, like you can determine if you have one acre or two acre, then of course you multiply the number of plants times uh, the daily amount of water used to determine how much you need to irrigate for your, for, your, for your irrigation zone. 
So that's how it's done. And uh, we use sensors in the ground with uh, wireless sensor stations. We use a new technology called LoRa, which stands for uh, long range. And you know, a, a typical station is battery operated. It works with a little solar panel, but it can reach over 10 miles of range with the line of sight. So uh, this is really good wireless technology for uh, agriculture. And is it internet connected? Yes, it is connected uh, through a gateway. So all the stations connect directly to one single gateway. And the gateway connects to the internet, forced the data to an application that uh, shows it on uh, a web browser. So you can see it on your computer, but also on your cell phone if you want to. Can you explain to, to the folks listening, you know, why is this important? I think a lot of people have the perception that water is, is free. It only costs the, you know, the, the fuel to pump it. So, you know, obviously we, we understand the environmental impacts and the shortage of water. But to an individual grape grower, why is this so important? Yes, water use is important because it impacts not only the cost of your, your water usage, but it also impacts the quality and, and the yield of your, of your crop. I had a test done this, this summer or last summer where we had a lot a part of my vineyard that was irrigated 60% of what it, it actually needed. And another part was irrigated at 100% of what it needed. And it turns out that the part that is irrigated with 60% only produced 50% of the crop weight. So if you're not irrigating enough, you're actually hurting yourself and your profitability because your, your yield is going down. And there are arguments to make for, uh, for quality of grapes as well. Uh, we calculated if you can get one extra point on the wine spectator for your wine, that could mean $5 to $27 more per bottle, which is a big impact for wineries on their, on their revenues. Yeah, that, that would pay for the, the equipment pretty quickly, I would think. Yes, yes. And, and in all fairness, the equipment that we provide basically tells you what the best possible amount of irrigation is. And we have customers who had expectation to, to save a lot of water, but it turned out when, once they start doing measurements and getting data from the system that they were under-irrigating. And that means that they're hurting their crop, their yield. So they need to pay a little more for water, but that gets greatly compensated by the improvement in yield and, and quality of the grapes. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so so in some cases you may need to increase your irrigation. Not everybody's going to cut it by 50% like you did. Yes, that is the, the message, yes. And that's because we have you know hundreds of customers that, that started using the system. And depending on you know how they started out, they were over-irrigating, so then they can save water. But if they're under-irrigating, then basically the system tells you that, you know, in order to get better crop results, you need to irrigate a little more. Where did the name Vi Vinduino come from? Yeah, that's a good question. So it started with a vineyard. So that's the VIN. And we use open source hardware based on a computer that was educate was uh, developed for educational purposes in Italy. And it's, it's made available on the internet for computer hobbyists. And it's very low cost. So it's called Arduino. And because I used that as the basis for my system, we concatenated it to Vinduino. So tell us about the company today. When did it start and what does the company look like today? Yes. So it started with one man in, uh, in early 2017. Currently, uh, we have an office in, in Temecula and we are with five people. So we have a team of five people, meaning uh, me, CEO, a founder. And then we have somebody who does the, the, the logistics and the operation. 
we have uh, one hardware designer and two software designers. What what made you want to get a vineyard in the first place? It sounds like you're from a technical background. Uh, have you always had an interest in growing grapes? Not 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 always. I started I when I was still in the Netherlands, I started an import company for Austrian wine. I spent a couple of years in Austria on assignment for a technology company and I learned to appreciate the Austrian wines in Europe. And when I came back after my assignment to the Netherlands, there was no Austrian wine available or hardly any. And that, that made me decide to start importing the, these wines to the Netherlands. And yeah, that's how it started. Because if you start you know, importing wine, you need to know more about wine. So I did, did a two-year sommelier training. And what I missed from that training really was how to make wine. That was not part of the curriculum. Or you, know, you get the theory, but you don't get to get into, out into a vineyard and, and prune and, and do all the stuff that I do now. So when I got here, I wanted to make wine. I purchased some grapes. And that's how I got into the vineyard business here. And uh, actually, I discovered that I didn't know anything about how to grow grapes. I spent two years on the, on the wine university in the Netherlands learning about wines all over the world and, and recognizing them. But uh, growing grapes and making wine was not really a practical part of that training. So I started from scratch, actually. Wow. Boy, you kind of have this about you where if you want to go learn something, you just go all in, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I like that. You know, getting your feet in the dirt is is important because if you don't live what you what you what you preach, then you know what are you doing? And that's that's what I think about a lot of the IT companies that have discovered agriculture and and call themselves agtech nowadays. Uh, if you don't talk with farmers, if if you don't farm yourself, you don't know what a farmer needs, and that's that's you know part of the solution that we developed. We don't want to provide more sensor data for farmers. We want to give them guidance that is really understandable about you know when do you need to irrigate, when do you need to spray for mildew. We also added a workforce planner so you can use your your work your laborers more efficiently. So we're we're trying to listen to farmers what their problems are and try to solve that in an integrated software package together with the sensors that we just discussed. Yeah, and and do they need to buy any additional equipment to get the benefit of like the you know knowing when to spray for mildew and that sort of thing, or is it all the same data just just used for different insights? It is it is the same data. We also can use input from satellite the weather satellites and weather stations to make it more more appropriate. You also can have a, a weather station in your own vineyard and get local data so it's more accurate as well. So yes, there's there's a lot of stuff that you don't need to buy because it's already out there in the market. And if you have your own weather station, you can use that also as input for our software. Very interesting. And what other crops other than vineyards? I know you're on some tree crops, but what other crops are you using your technology? At the moment, we have several customers. One customer in Brazil uses it for uh, sweet potatoes. We have currently a customer in Uruguay setting up the system for sugar cane. We have customers in the Bakersfield area using it for pistachios and almonds, almonds, depending on where you're coming from. So yes, we, 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 get, we get a wide range of, of crops, but you know, in all fairness, I think knowing the crops really helps uh, understanding the system a little better. So we, we like to take it uh, step by step and not you know, promote it as something that you can use for any crop right now. Oh, by the way, we, we just recently uh, signed up a farmer that grows coffee in California, which is something that everybody is looking at because we, we don't understand the irrigation needs for coffee plants, really. 
but by measuring how much water they're using, we can figure it out and dial that data into the system so we can support coffee as a standard product pretty soon. Wow. No, that's really, really interesting. And does a new customer a new customer order the hardware and then pay an ongoing software as a service fee? Yes. So the, the, the hardware is something that you own. You, you, you purchase it and you own it. And we are certified hard, hardware, what I'm saying, we are certified open source hardware. That means that you have the right as the owner to modify and study the, the design. So our design is in the public domain. The software is something that is available on a subscription basis, on a year-by-year basis. So how, how, do you, how do you create a competitive advantage or sustain a competitive advantage with everything being open source? I mean, couldn't somebody theoretically just recreate what you've created and compete against you? Yes, and that's, that's a, a question that I get often asked. asked but on the other hand, if, you, if you're in the high technology like I was, you know that re-engineering an existing design is, is nowadays very easy to do. So you could think that by not publishing or keeping uh, the, the hardware design close to your chest, you protect your IP, but you really there's no protection at all. It is, nowadays, it's so easy to uh, re-engineer a hardware design that you know, you're not really protected. By making it open source, we, we allow hobbyists to look at it, but also we have a lot of universities that take our basic design or our basic hardware platform and then program it themselves for their own research purposes. We also have some agricultural colleges that use our hardware as the platform to teach their students how to set up and program an irrigation automation system. And what's the flip side? What's the benefit to you of keeping it open source? Well, if you think about, uh, let let me tell you a story. There was was a very famous tractor company recently getting in in the news because they decided to close up the, the motor management of their tractors. So the problem for farmers was that they no longer could you know, do small repairs themselves. And that turned a lot of farmers away from that particular brand of tractors. And they looked for alternatives that were you know, allowing them to open, to make uh, repairs. That's basically, I think, what the advantage is of open source. And the flip side, I explained to you, there is no really no downside because I, I talked with a lot of customers that opened, opened the, the closet and showed me, you know, equipment from uh, previous competitors that went out of business. And once these guys are gone, that equipment turns into bricks. It's no longer usable. When you still have access to the original designs, you could, you could basically operate it yourself if you want to, and if you have the knowledge to do it. Now, you came from a technology background. I, I find your story fascinating. How, how can we because I agree with you, the best innovations are going to come from producers themselves, somebody who knows how to, in your case, grow grapes, or in other cases, you know, milk dairy cows, or, or whatever the case may be. How do we encourage others not from a technology background to pursue creating technology like you have done? Well, there's, there's an, a movement called citizen science or the maker movement, where people use small computers or simple technology to develop solutions that are not available in the market today or, or improve on, on, on solutions. This is something that is shared within these communities. So somebody comes up with an idea and publishes it online so other people can copy it and not only copy it, but they can improve on it. And then they, they re, republish that again. So that means that you get this community of developers 
citizen developers, if you want to call it that way, that jointly create new solutions, borrow ideas, and, and, and together come up with something that is better than a single company can develop by themselves. And is it happening where you have customers that are improving the technology because it is open source? Yes, I have a customer in Argentina, for example, who uses my technology in combination with Bitcoin technology and blockchain technology. This is something that I never developed myself, but he he took it on him to develop something that he calls an open source winery. So all the processes of growing the grapes and uh, making the wine are basically transparent for the customers. And based on the cost price and Bitcoins, they can uh, develop or or determine the cost of, of the wines that they pay for. So it's, it's an interesting concept, but it's an, it's an example of a, a customer taking the fact that this system is open source and, and turning it in something that is uh, you know, creating more value for him. That is really interesting. How did you, I, I know you started with this group of small growers in Temecula. How did you, you know, when did you decide, okay, it's time to really kind of treat this like a business and scale it? Oh, that was kind of interesting, uh, eye-opening moment when I uh, won an engineering prize. When I was developing this for myself, for my own vineyard, I submitted some of the project ideas and and the the project logs to a website called Hackaday, which is a worldwide blog, group of bloggers that uh, share ideas. And they have a once a year engineering contest, which is worldwide. We have about 9,000 people sending in their, their projects to, uh, to uh, participate in that prize. And uh, to my surprise, I got the, the best product award, which was a, a $100,000 monetary prize, which was great. So then I got the feeling like, okay, there may be more to this idea than just something for myself. And that's how the, the idea started about, you know, maybe I could you know, commercialize this. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, ag tech has become of great interest to people even who were not traditionally in agriculture and kind of want to get in on the space. And and there are a lot of startups that are, you know, sensor-based technology that that intend to, you know, provide decision support similar to yours. How do you differentiate? And for the average farmer out there, how are they supposed to differentiate between, you know, ones that are really going to help and and, and ones that that maybe haven't thought through the whole problem? Yes. So I think... I think one of the things that people can can use to sort out, say, the, the good solutions from the bad solutions is how actionable is the data or is the information that it provides. If it's just data, more data from sensors, then it's not useful. You know, in the initial in the first phases of my project, I had a lot of sensor data from soil moisture sensors and temperature sensors in the field. But the problem was, if my soil moisture is so and so much percent, it still doesn't tell me how much and how often I need to irrigate. And that was the question that that came back over and over again. All this data is not helping me. I just need to know how much and how often I need to irrigate. So that's that's basically where the software came in to make the data into useful information. And once we had the useful information about how much and how often to irrigate, we could, could use that information to automate the irrigation. So then it's, it's totally hands-off. Once we got to a point where we could say to our customers, hey, you can remotely operate your irrigation valves, they came back to me saying, yeah, but you know, I don't need 
one device that operates one valve, our valves are grouped on one, on one manifold. So they wanted more, more capacity to operate multiple valves on a manifold. So that's why we came out with a device that can operate up to five valves in one box remotely. Then once we had that established, the question came up like, yeah, but the people that the irrigators that drive now to the fields, they're not just opening and closing the valves, but they're also checking for leaks. So what if there's a leak when, you know, if there's nobody in the field operating the valves, who's going to tell me there's a major problem with the irrigation system? So that's where we added a flow meter to the system, which provides feedback to the irrigation system and reports when something is wrong. It could be that there is a leak, like a major line break, then your flow rate is much higher than usual, or there could be something clogging your filters or, or your, your emitters, and then your, your flow rate is lower than, than usual. So each of these situations, of course, requires an action, which we cannot automate. But at least it gives you more certainty that if the flow rate is according to what you expect for that particular field, then everything is supposed to be okay. And you can also check whether irrigation happened or not. Yeah, that's, that's why we got the World Ag Expo a top 10 award this year. We were judged by a group of farmers, I would assume, that know agriculture very well. And they judged that, you know, what we, we accomplished there was, was unique and worthy of getting the top 10 award. And it's amazing to me that you're doing, doing this with a team of five. Have you taken on any outside investment or has it all been bootstrapped by yourself? We got one private investor helping us this year, but uh, just, just you know, last quarter that happened. So that's, that's why we are you know, sustainable for the next couple of years. And how do you do all this with a team of five? I mean, you've got, you've got customers around the world, it sounds like. Yes, we well, the customers around the world are usually do-it-yourselfers, so they don't need a lot of hands-on support. The local customers here, of course, we do a larger irrigation projects, and then we uh, work with contractors who do the plumbing and the wiring, and we uh, just make sure that uh, everything is connected wirelessly and ready to go. So, you know, it, once the system is designed and stable, installing it is not really uh, a difficult job. And that's why we also could take the step to go to Amazon because we got to this, this point of maturity where installing our system is not much more difficult than installing a new sprinkler installation. So it's you know every farmer knows how to dig a hole and uh, connect wires. So uh, yeah, that's why we feel confident that going to uh, Amazon is 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 the right thing to do right now. Yeah, let's talk more about that. So you sell your system on Amazon, and and so theoretically, someone hops on Amazon, buys your system, it arrives in the mail, and then they install it themselves, and they get set up entirely themselves. It must be really easy to intuitively figure it out, because most of these ag tech companies I talk to, you know, they've got whole customer success teams that are there to, like, make sure that the customer can understand the product and how to use it. Yes, and, and of course, it takes it takes a little manual to understand it, but to wire it up, it's really simple. So we use uh, the LoRa technology that I, I, I talked about earlier in, in our conversation, which is the long-range wireless. It uses a gateway. So once you have that set up, which is quite similar as setting up a Wi-Fi router, you have a range of about 10 miles, depending on line of sight. And every every box or every uh, Venduino station that you activate within that range will connect automatically to the network. And of course, you need to set up that station on your software because you need to draw in Google Maps where your field is, where that station is located. But you know, apart from that, it's not really uh, the high tech uh, 
accomplishment to get it installed. And you don't have to worry about about broadband or you know I- internet coverage. Well, if you if you don't have internet, then that is a necessity. Uh, the the gateway needs to be able to connect to the internet using a Wi-Fi or an Ethernet cable. We have some customers who have areas that don't have local internet access, and we were able to solve that by creating a local Wi-Fi network with a hotspot, a phone hotspot. So that that is an easy and and low cost solution to solve internet access in areas where there's no no internet access available. Okay. This is so cool. And I know you started with smaller wine grape growers. Is is there any reason a large commercial orchard or, or vineyard or, or other crop couldn't use this? No, there's no reason at all for, for not. So a, a gateway typically can support up to 1,000 stations in the field. So from a capacitive standpoint, there's there's no reason why it should not be able to scale up. You know, to my knowledge, an irrigation zone is typically two acres. So one station per irrigation zone would be, you know, my recommendation to, for for getting a good good monitoring system for for everything. And what's coming next? I know you had mentioned you now have the opportunity to plan your your labor needs uh, through Vinduino, but uh, what, what's coming next, or what are you most excited about going forward here? Oh, <laughs> well. I'm, 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 we're, we're still developing the irrigation controller and the irrigation control is a little bit more complicated to install. So we're making this more easy to install and more intuitive to, uh, to, uh, to use. So that will eventually also uh, come to, uh, to Amazon where now we basically have uh, just the monitoring. And if you want to uh, uh, add uh, the irrigation control or the flow flow meter, we, we usually take that as a project. So it's a little it takes a little bit more hand holding, but hopefully next year we'll have a situation where we the situation is uh, the products are mature enough and intuitive enough to also be added to Amazon. And another thing I'm excited about is working with potential partners in Europe. You know, uh, California has about seven percent market share for wine worldwide. And, and countries like Spain and Italy and France make up for about half of the worldwide market. So being able to uh, grow into that that area would be important for me as well. And then for the very long the very long future, we're talking with companies that do a satellite coverage of the wireless network that we're using. So that would that would mean in the future, and we're talking about you know 2025 and beyond. But it would mean that if there is a satellite constellation in space that uh, would work with our stations, we no longer need the, the, the terrestrial uh, networking, wireless networking that we have today, like the gateways that we need connected to the Internet. That would all go away and you would be connected anywhere in the world with our systems. Well, this is fantastic, Rainier. Thank you so much for doing this and for taking more time than I asked of you. This has been such a pleasant surprise. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I thank you for uh, reaching out to me. I uh, I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to your podcast. And, and how can how can we help you? We can send people to Amazon to buy, or they can also go to your website, which is just vinduino.com. V i n d u i n o. Yes. So if if you want to test the system and have an evaluation, you can buy the the the, the starter bundle, which is a, a gateway, one station sensors. And uh, that will basically allow you to monitor uh, one one location. You can uh, purchase up to uh, 1,000 stations extra, you know, with with one gateway. Once you have the gateway, you have the infrastructure in place, and you can contact us directly via the via the website 
if you want to automate your irrigation and uh, add the flow meter as well. Thank you so much to Rainier Vanderlee for being on the show and sharing his story. I love stories of farmers sort of solving their own problem and using technology and collaborating with each other to find innovative solutions. I just thought that was awesome, and I want to feature more stories like that on the show this year. In fact, the very next episode, as I teased at the beginning, is going to be with the world's first open source winery, customer of Induino, and a really, really cool story. So make sure you stay tuned for that. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Warren Clark for introducing me to Rainier and making that happen. Thank all of you who have reached out with guest ideas for the show. As I've told all of you, I think I, the way I do this show is I try to think of a topic or a question or a story or a narrative that I, I think would be interesting to explore and then find the right guest. In this case, it's farmers using their own technology to solve their own problems, especially those that are making it open source. So if you've got more stories like that, let me know. But thank you so much to Warren for making this one happen. Hey, really appreciate you sticking around all the way to the end for your time and your attention. I don't take it lightly. We'll be back next week with another Ag Innovator. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. If you like what you heard here today, I'd love to connect with you further. Go over to futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com. And let me know a good email address for you so we can keep in touch. Also, you'll be able to check out a ton of bonus content on the blog while you're there. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can catch another fascinating ag innovator here next week. Hey.